You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What is up, everyone? Welcome to week 18 of the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. We have a jam-packed episode for you this week because for the first time while I've been on the podcast, we actually have a guest this week, which means four extra prospects. We got 12 prospects in total, so we're going to be quick moving today. A lot less of my uh, Red Sox thoughts today and a lot more actual prospect stuff, which is what everyone comes here for anyway. Um, but before I get to our guest, of course, as always, I'm joined by Michael and Vinny, better known as Down on the Farm 8. Michael, what is up? What's up, fellas? Glad to be here with you. You know, we're back with our first guest in a few weeks. Like you said, you know, this man kept appearing on my social media feed with a lot of great insight on prospects. So I'm happy to get him on the show to hear his thoughts and maybe introduce him to anyone out there that isn't aware of his work yet. Uh, before we get to him, how's your week going, Vinny? It's going good. My allergies are absolutely destroying me today, so everyone bear with me if I sound weird. But, you know, we're coming up on the home stretch of baseball season. We got football season around the corner, you know, wrapping up the minor league season. I'm just, you know, ready to start doing some deep dives in the offseason. Start looking for the next wave of prospects. Well, just because the season's winding down in the minor leagues doesn't mean our work stops here. In fact, it kind of increases in ways because, as you will see, a lot of people are starting to actually get the call up. We'll mention a few of them today, and we'll mention a few more who might end up getting the call. But without further ado, our guest this week, I'm pretty excited for him because my one huge big uh, dynasty league is a points league. And this guy is, is the uh, dynasty points guy. He just released his top 250 rankings for points leagues in dynasty. It is Prospect Sauce. Um, so I don't, he, he, his name says Nick, but I, I'm going to call you Sauce. Is that okay? Yeah, dude. Absolutely. I love saucy prospects. You got to bring your bib when you talk prospects because you just get all the sauce on your mouth, right? Um, yeah, man. It's I'm, I'm super hyped to be here. Um, going to be a fun time. Now, Sauce, before we get into it, I just have to make sure. Roman Anthony, is he your number one prospect? Uh. For the Red Sox, I believe so. Uh, oh, he's wow. in my top okay. 20. He's in my top 20. All right. A fellow Roman Anthony truther, but we don't have time for this. I said I wasn't going to do it. I'm already doing it. So let's actually get right in to our players of the week, and we will go right back to you, Sauce, with your hitter of the week. It is Sal Stewart of the Reds. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what uh, made you include Sal Stewart as your hitter of the week? Yeah, gladly. I mean... Honestly, he hasn't been, you know, tearing the cover off the ball lately. He just got promoted to high A at only 19 years old. And the surface stats since that promotion, they're they're whatever. They're okay. Um, what really has me super in on Sal Stewart is, the like, the under-the-hood metrics and also just, like, the foundation of, like, a contact and plate discipline guy that he's, that he's like, kind of proven to be. Sal Stewart's, like, a big dude. He's, like, six foot three. He, I believe he won the high school home run derby, the national home run derby as a senior in high school. He had like a 530 foot tank. He's got a ton of raw power. Fangrass has him at a 60 raw power. Um, he kind of gets body comps to Austin Riley as well. And I totally see that with the swing. Um, I'm not super worried about the lack of power output from, from him. And in fact, you know, before his promotion to high A, uh, he slashed 303, five, uh, 429, 570 in his last 40 games with more walks and strikeouts in low A. So I think the power will come along. I think that he's maybe a swing maybe a swing tweak away from really unlocking a lot of that power. He's got a super elevated ground ball rate. It's about 48% on the season. So you don't want to see that. And obviously it's not like you can flip a switch and all of a sudden you're launching the ball in the air. It's pretty difficult. But I believe in Cincinnati as, you know, a fantastic uh, hitting development organization. I think they can get the most out of Stewart. And 
at this point in the season heading into 2024, I'm just like identifying dudes who I think can break out next season who I can get at a relatively low cost. And Stewart is near the top of that list for me. My mic muted there for a second. I'm not sure how much of what I just said was caught, but I was saying I love the choice of Sal Stewart because I uh, I think if you're just looking at fantasy rankings and just going down top 30s, he's going to be lower than he probably should because this is a guy who I think's value in fantasy is going to be higher than it is in real life. But Nick, I also have a question regarding that because this is a guy, at least from what I've seen, has a question mark on where he's going to play defensively. Do you think he will stick? I believe he, we have him listed on the graphic as third base, second base. I think he's been playing mostly second. That'd be awesome if he played second with that potential power, but is there a risk that he moves off of second into a position like first base? Oh, 100%. Um, I think he could play third. I think he could play second. I think he could play first or DH. You know, the glove is a 30-grade glove probably. It's really all bat, no glove. And also, I mean, Cincinnati, their infield right now is pretty loaded and pretty stacked, and it's going to be tough for him to crack that infield. I think that could be suppressing his value a little bit as well, and I'm not really worried about it. He's three years away from the majors. There could be trades. There could be movement. Who knows? I think that um, all those concerns aside, like, I'm not really too worried about it. Absolutely. I I am not one to be worried about someone who's that far away, but – is worth mentioning the defense because it always adds a little bit risk, but he is a better fantasy asset than I think real life asset. So someone who you can probably get cheaper than you should. All right, we're going to go to Vinny next. And I've, I've kind of started to realize Vinny, you're kind of addicted to prospects from bad organizations. Last week, we had you absolutely ripping into the Los Angeles angels. Only maybe like five seconds later, you then picked an angel to talk about. Of course, we have you as a Cubs fan. You've picked two White Sox pitchers in back-to-back weeks. So it's only right, Vinny, that your choice for your hitter of the week this week is a Colorado Rocky. It's Sterling Thompson. Vinny, tell us about Thompson. Man, Thompson has been a very good, very good surprise this year. I know there's a decent amount of hype uh, coming out of the draft for Thompson uh, last year. You know, college bat, bat first, you know, serviceable pretty much anywhere on the diamond. But if we're talking about the Rockies organization in general, like they really need an advanced bat in that system. And I think they found it here with Thompson. If we're looking at the stats this year, he's been, you know, spent most of the year in high A, just made the dump the double, uh, double A a couple weeks ago, just has not slowed down like if we're talking about an advanced bat, Sterling Thompson is the guy to start targeting. I, I think his value has really jumped since his jump to double A. But if we're talking about the stats, you know, high A, he was 16% K rate. It's a 14 game sample size in double A right now. We're up to, you know, 26.2, but the ISO took a massive jump. The BABIP is pretty spectacular. He has been at least 330 the whole year. The OBP is looking really good. The slug, the WOBA, the WRC plus. Like if I'm a Rockies fan, I am getting really excited for this core of guys that is coming up. You know, the, the Fernandez the Adele Amendor, Jordan Beck, Sterling Thompson, like this next wave of a potentially great Rockies team is knocking on the door for most of them. You know, you have Fernandez in double A, Beck in double A, Sterling Thompson double A, Zach Veen is in double A, but I've really soured off of Zach Veen, not to jump onto another player, but yeah, Thompson has just been spectacular. And I think people are still really judging him because of his uncertainty with, you know, the glove. He's probably a 45, 50 glove arm guy, like the rest of his career, more serviceable at third base, but can play the outfield. Which it'll he's one of these guys will be interesting to watch this year. I think he could potentially go to the Arizona Fall League this year for the Rockies and play some outfield or maybe another position. Like that's not out of the cards, especially especially with how we know how the bat has been, and we know that that's pretty much going to be the carrying tool for him. But yeah, like dynasty wise, I'm I'm not opposed to trying to go and get Sterling Thompson. I think he's going to be a nice piece for years to come.
I, w- I will be interested to see how the Rockies choose to, I don't want to say hide his glove, but really hide his glove in the sense that they have an outfield where you can't necessarily just throw someone out there. It is the largest in the major. So that will be interesting to track moving forward. But another good choice who is probably suppressed on some lists because of that glove and has some increased fantasy value for you to go out there and get him. Michael, let's move to your hitter of the week. Uh, you've got a Met here for us. It is Jet Williams of uh, five foot six uh, fame. At least that's what he's listed. I'm sure he's a little bit taller um, as he's still growing. He's only 19 or I think he's five, six, five, eight. Anyways, um, since his call up to high A, the dude's got a 199 WRC plus. If he just could have gotten it one point higher to that 200 mark would have been infinitely cooler, but 199, nothing to scoff at. He's been up there since August 1st. So he's been up there quite a while now. I mean, he's been up there long enough to, for it to be pretty eye popping. Michael, why don't you tell us why you picked Jet Williams? Yeah, so for those who watch the show regularly, you've heard me talk about Jet Williams before. He's, you know, I won't go super deep, but he's listed with a plus hit tool, average raw power, and double plus speed. And as I've mentioned on countless occasions, players with a plus hit tool and notable speed have a lot of appeal to me. Obviously, it'd be nice if they had game-changing power on top of that, but the hit tool speed combo is generally my favorite type of profile. Power is the easiest tool to develop, and even if it doesn't show up in abundance, the profile still has fantasy appeal he's only played 20 games in, in high a so the sample size is relatively small but i'm very encouraged with the power spike he's shown with the 286 iso that would be a clear improvement over what we've seen thus far in the lower levels and as i mentioned during our fypd coverage this winter williams doesn't have that ideal size but he makes up for it with his like aggressiveness and play style he, he i said he's a very flashy player and that will be a fan favorite and i'm even more confident in that assessment now and side note, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out that Williams gets to more power than anticipated. This is this is probably the closest we had to Corbin Carroll type of profile coming out of the 2022 draft. And so I think he's got more pop than some people realize. Long term, I can't say enough positive about Jet Williams. You know, this is a player that I think will always have fantasy appeal for his hit tool, top end speed and pure hustle. Like I said, I expect some degree of power to develop. It wouldn't surprise me to see him hit 20 home runs, home runs in his prime, but even if he settles into more like a 10 to 15 home run player, I still think we're looking at an impact leadoff hitter that helps an average OBP runs and steals. He may end up shifting to second base down the line, but the profile plays at uh, either middle infield spot. So Williams remains one of my favorite speed threats in lower levels. Definitely a player to get on your teams before he's too costly. He's creeping along a path that could see him inside the top 25 next year. I'm muted again. This is uh, this is interesting. I'm not sure what's happening. I'm not doing it on purpose. Uh, so maybe I'll, I'll have to remind myself to unmute. Sorry about that for those who are watching and listening. But I was going to say Corbin Carroll, that is quite the, uh, the crazy comp for uh, that's not what I was expecting you to say. But Michael, I've got to ask you, you said he might move over to second. And it brings up a question for me. I remember a few weeks back, you said the same thing about Acuna, who, of course, we're talking baby Acuna, Ronald Acuna's brother. He's in the same organization. He plays the same position with a guy like Jetty so far away. Is that even something that worries you? No, I mean, with with positions like this, they usually play themselves out. And I, I think I think Jet Williams probably profiles as a better shortstop than Acuna. So if I had to pick, I'd say he sticks at shortstop. And for the record, I don't think that Jet Williams is going to be as good as Cor- Corbin Carroll. I think he was the closest thing in last year's draft <laughs> to profile like that with a plus hit tool and double plus speed who will develop more power than people think because of his size. You know, you're, you know, the fantasy, the world, Michael, we don't deal with nuance. You said Corbin Carroll and you said Jet Williams in the same sentence. You said they're going to be the same player. All that rest of that. No one heard that. So you heard it here. Jet Williams is the next Corbin Carroll. Michael stamped it and signed it and sent it along the way. But those are our three hitters this week. It's time to move on to our pitchers of the week. And uh, unfortunately, the first one here going back to sauce here. I'm horrified to say that my biggest division rival and mortal enemy rosters this player. So, Sauce, I'm asking you, please tell me that this guy just had a hot week and that's why he made it on the list, and it's not because he's actually good. Tell me he actually sucks. It's Santiago Suarez of the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, I wish I could say that and you know give you a little, a little uh, sense of 
you know, closure, but I, I, I can't. Suarez is an absolute stud, and I like him about as much as I possibly could like a pitching prospect who's 18 years old. Um, you know, he's a right-handed pitcher. Um, he's got a fastball with really excellent life at, to- at the top of the zone, a lot of nice, sexy carry. Um, he only sits like 92 to 94 right now. However, I think, you know, he has a really athletic delivery and he's he's not that small of a guy either. He's, you know, about six foot two. I think he has a frame that he could develop into more velocity. Maybe he could sit 95 to 97 in three years. All of a sudden you're talking about a guy who is striking out a ton of batters. You know, his strikeout rate right now at only 24 percent, a little bit low, but all the other surface level stats and even the advanced the advanced stats are super positive for Suarez. Um, the whole arsenal. He has a changeup that I really like. Um, it's got nice tumbling action. He has super good feel for it at the bottom of the zone, away to lefties. I think that's a plus pitch. He's got a curveball that I think is average. It's kind of loopy, kind of blends like a slider. I don't really see it as an out pitch, but I think he could refine it as he moves up. And honestly, I think that he could really benefit from uh, adding a cutter to the arsenal, maybe like a, a high 80s, low 90s cutter, kind of like kind of like Taj Bradley has just to jam in on the hands of lefties and get some weak contact. Um, this is a really exciting pitcher. This is a ton of polish here for an 18 year old. He did just get the bump to uh, a ball last week and he's been stellar since. Um, yeah. Another guy that I'm just targeting heavily as we move into 2024 as a guy who could really move up lists. That is uh, really disappointing to hear. Oh, look, guys, I'm unmuted this time. I did it. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's a bummer. Congrats to Joe if he's listening. Way to get yourself a good one there on Santiago, uh, Santiago Suarez. Now it's back to Vinny. Bad org Vinny. And here we go again from one tragic organization that lucked its way into a World Series win to another tragic organization that lucked its way into a World Series win. It's former Cub, now Washington National, DJ Hers, Vinny. How hard is it for you to say good things about this prospect? It hurts because Hers was my favorite pitching prospect in the Cubs organization before we traded him uh, for Yimer Candelario, him and uh, Hers and uh, DJ uh, uh, Made were the returning pieces, but DJ Hers, man, he's always he's always shown us the potential, you know, starting pitcher two three ceiling that he has. You know, it's been hampered by control issues, trust issues in the pitches, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's been so much doubt around him since coming over to the. Nationals and joining the Harrisburg Senators, he has been pretty phenomenal. On top, on top of that, though, this season so far, he has yet to have less than three strikeouts a game. You know, just on top of that, his last three starts, he has what? What is this? He has 13 innings pitched, 20 strikeouts, four walks, zero earned runs. I had to dig and watch some of the later or earlier footage this season from when he was still pitching with double A Tennessee and compare it to how he's pitching with Harrisburg senators. And I think we, I've come down to the conclusion is that he is now really trusting more than just his changeup and his fastball. He's really starting to trust this slider that he's been working on all off season. You know, the fastball has been, you know, histor- uh, Pat, in the past, it's been sitting 91, 92. It's up to 94. I've seen it hit 95. We're seeing an increase in velocity in the fastball. The uh, Nationals are letting him uh, pitch a little longer than the Cubs were. The Cubs were putting him on a strict, like, four-inning four limit. He's been pitching five. He's been pitching six. Like, we're starting to see them really ramp up his development. And, you know, like I said, the command has been very good this last couple starts, knowing it. it has been three starts, short sample size, but this is the kind of pitching, you know, monster starting to show its face here in this Nationals organization. Like that's this his slider for it being a pretty much pop up pitch, you know, he worked on over in the offseason. It looks like a 50, maybe a 55 plus type of pitch on top of, you know, his 65 borderline where you look 70 grade change up 
Like we're talking about, he's starting to set himself up here with a very dangerous arsenal. And you know what? I'm, you know, depending on who you ask, everyone's sold that he's going to go to the bullpen. I do not think DJ Hurts is going to end up in a bullpen. I think he's going to sneak his way into like a three, four starting pitcher. Role. And I'm not ruling out. He ends up as a two. Like we've seen what the nationals have done in the past with pitchers. Like this one, this one's going to have to keep close eyes on because if he comes out, you know, later this year and this continues or maybe comes out next year and is just as hot, or if they send him to the Arizona fall league, like there's stuff to watch with him. I am really high on him. He's probably either, he's probably Ross, maybe rostered. He might still be sitting on the waivers, but this is a guy that you need to start stashing now because Washington doesn't have that many big pitching prospects blocking him. And, you know, if he keeps this up, there's no way they can keep him down in the minors. I was going to ask you about the, the bullpen fears, but you answered my question, Benny. So instead, I've, I've got to know, you're at least satisfied with what you've had from Candelario so far. He's, he's been he's been hitting pretty well for you. Yeah, but I something tells me us getting rid of DJ Hurts is really going to come back to bite us. This this is the Thanos meme for, for Benny. What did it cost? Everything. <laughs> We do have one more pitcher left for you. It is Michael. And Michael, he's a man of the people. He gave us Lankford. He gave us Dylan Cruz. I commanded that he then give us Paul Skeens. And sure enough, here he is this week, rounding out the trio of the FYPD top three. Michael's going to tell us a little bit about Paul Skeens. And Michael, I'm going to push you at the end. I want, or at some point, I want you to tell us. Who, uh, what is the correct order for the top three? And of course, remember, whatever you say today, you're locked into forever. You cannot change your mind. Yeah, so I I do remember you bringing him up last week, and I, I figured a lot of our listeners agreed and wanted to hear about him. So I dug into the number one pick. Typically, I wouldn't highlight a player with only five innings pitch as a pro, but considering he's moved up three levels already since signing, I mean, we might need to get this in before he's starting for the Pirates. Skeens is listed with a double plus fastball plus slider, above average changeup, and, and above average command. It's worth noting that MLB.com has him listed with an 80 grade fastball and double plus slider. So this is a unicorn on the mound. I'll start by saying after looking through the pitching scouting grades each week for the show, this may be the most impressive combination I've seen. His fastball averaged 98 and touched 102 at LSU. Slider sits in 85 to 89, has ridiculous swing and miss rates. His Power changeups, it's 88 to 93, shows a lot of promise as a third offering. There have been other pitchers we've covered with similar stuff on the surface, but almost none of them possess the command control Skeens has. Players like this typically have below average command, and, and we're essentially hoping they grow into the type of player that Skeens is on day one as a pro. Obviously, he still needs to go out and perform, but it's it's completely understandable why he's so highly touted already. As I mentioned the last two weeks, I have Skeens in the same tier with Cruz and, and Wyatt Langford for FYPDs this winter. I think all three have a chance to be extremely valuable for fantasy leagues, and I, I don't think it takes them long to get through the minors. Skeens has been called the best pitching prospect to come out of the draft since Steven Strasburg, and he's got prototypical size, filthy stuff, good command, and a bulldog mentality. I think I think you can make a case he's a full tier ahead of any other pitching prospect right now, and I, and I absolutely love Ricky Tiedemann and a healthy Andrew Painter. If you play in points leagues that typically give more value to pitchers, I would try trading into the number one pick to acquire Skeens, even if it means paying up a bit. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him amongst the top pitchers in the majors in a year or two. Even in a typical roto league, the high-end elite pitchers that give you strikeouts and help your ratios have a lot of value. I think Skeens is special if he stays healthy. I'm usually cautious with getting too far ahead of myself, but I agree with anyone who thinks he's the number one pitching prospect. And that's rare for me to be that high on a pitcher out of the draft. I, I actually can't remember the last time it happened. So I think the hype is deserved. Michael, you got, you didn't do it. You got to give me your, your firm top three. Well, I've said it in each of the episodes. It all depends on the, which kind no, of league no, no. you play. Uh, we got to clip it, Michael. We need <laughs> no caveat. You just say it. <laughs> well, no, I can't. I can't. I, in all a right. points league, I'd go Skeens, <laughs> Skeens, or then Cruz or Langford. And then in, in a typical league, I'd go the two hitters and then Skeens. All right, fair fair enough. I I think it's very refreshing to hear someone talk positively about Paul Skeens. It has become kind of the cool thing to do to just 
crap on Paul Skeens. He was the number one pick for a reason. And uh, just one note I'll add, I live right by the the Air Force Academy. And if you don't know, that is actually where Skeens started his collegiate baseball career. And he caught at the Air Force Academy. And I, uh, I've uh, heard some rumors amongst the baseball community. I'm a, I am a high school baseball coach in Colorado Springs, and there's some connections to the academy that uh, people have said that when he moved to pitching, the, the uh, work required was so much easier for him. It was such a load off his shoulders going from being a catcher to being a pitcher that I think that when we hear a lot of people complaining about him getting overused, I think for Skeens, he was used to getting overused. So not saying that the Pirates aren't rolling the dice, continuing to have have him pitch after he led college baseball and in innings pitch bias. I do think it is worth noting that this is a guy who was catching and is used to kind of a ridiculous workload. But that is the first half of our show. That's our first f- four prospects, which means before uh, we move on to any more prospects, we are the call up. So we have to talk about the notable promotions. And of course, this week we had. What happened to the stock music last week? Uh, I got busted for copyright infringement. Turns out uh, the song that I thought was uh, (laughs) royalty-free was not. And actually, I found it all over the place. So it seems like a lot of people have fallen for that trap. And instead, uh, I'm uh, I I didn't like any of the uh, Streamyard free songs, so I just pulled a random song that sounded all right. That's our new Socks prospect song. If you if you know of a better one that's royalty free, let me know. But of course, if you're looking at the YouTube right now, you can see there were many people called up this week. We've got five on the screen. Of course, only one of them matters. It's Willier Abreu of the Boston Red Sox. We told you last week, we told you about a AAA player from the Boston Red Sox who was going on a home run tear, was going to get the call. And sure enough, Willier Abreu got the call. Did we say Sidani Raffaella? Maybe, but that's not important. We were close. So William Abreu did end up getting the call. What I'm actually going to do, I'm going to read through these players real quick, and I'm going to put our three guests on the spot here. We have Kyle Harrison um, from the Giants. We have Oswald Peraza from the New York Yankees. We have Michael Bush from the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we have Everson Pereira from the New York Yankees, and of course, William Abreu. I want each of you, you don't have to give me a reason, I want the, the name of your favorite uh, one of these guys who got the call and your least favorite guy who got the call. And, and I'm assuming obviously we're all going to say, Will you Brady was our favorite, but if you, if you want to mix it up, I guess that's okay. Um, Vinny, I see you're already on, on, unmuted. So I'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to say Michael Bush. Cause he's your favorite. He's my favorite just because he can be very impactful, especially for the Dodgers going for a playoff run. I would say my least favorite is probably Kyle Harrison. I still think he needs some more time to mature down there in AAA. Like the command controls, you know, I know he's been good of late, but there's still a lot of questions around him. I, I feel like it, he him coming up and having, you know, lack of success could really damage him going into next year. So those are my two. All right. Why don't we go? Why don't we go to Michael next? Mike, we don't need as much reason. If you just want to say the players, that's fine. Well, it's tough because I do like a lot of these guys for different reasons. I'll go with Everson Prayer as being my favorite just because he's a guy I've liked for a couple of years. I've been following him since uh, low-level ball. And my least favorite, I got to go against you, Josh, and say Will Abreu. And only because I think he has the least amount of upside out of all five players listed here. Oh, okay. I'm, I I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the Red Sox scored 17 runs today on the back of Willier Brave. So Michael's just wrong. Sauce, what what are you thinking here? Yeah, I'm actually going to go against the grain and pick Kyle Harrison as my favorite. Um, there are a few lefties in baseball, with this kind of stuff. It's literally like Blake Snell and a healthy Shane McClanahan. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of buying the dip on Harrison. I think he'll figure out the command issues. And if he does, like he could be a top 30 starting pitcher. Um, yeah, Abreu is probably my least favorite as well, but I do want to highlight Pereira. I'm a little bit wary of players who chase and whiff as much as Pereira. Um, yeah, he has 70 grade power and speed. He's very exciting tools. I'm just a little bit wary about the hit tool, Pereira. 
Uh, don't like the Abreu you hate all around. Well, uh, next time, Michael, let's make sure to get a guest who doesn't have former history rooming for the Yankees. Okay, <laughs> just kidding. I, I get it. I think uh, I think Abreu really only made the graphic because I kind of forced him on there. I don't think he's in the same tier as probably those other four guys. He's a, he's definitely a deeper league, probably points league guy. But we got to keep moving, and we're moving on to the prospect watch, aka probably a lower minors guy that we are wait for it watching closely and i'm gonna go right back to my man sauce who yes this player is a yankee but actually i happen to roster this guy in the same league that we talked about earlier where my arch nemesis rostered santiago suarez so i actually like this guy so nick i'm gonna let you talk about this new york yankee in my opinion, the best player in the complex league is that biased, sure. But Nick, why don't you tell everyone why I'm right about John Cruz, an outfielder for the New York Yankees? Yeah, I love John Cruz. He also is one of my favorites at the complex level. Off the top of my head, probably my favorite hitting prospect, um, like not named uh, Roderick Arias in the Florida complex. Um, he's got a super projectable frame. He's six foot three. He has lightning fast hands from the left side, a beautiful stroke. Uh, his power output as a 17-year-old at the complex is kind of unmatched. I ran a, fan, a Fangraphs query the other day. Um, there are no players with an ISO above uh, 200 and a K rate under 25% at the complex level at 17 years old in the last three years. It's just John Cruz. Um, he kind of I a, a comp I like for him, and I actually think Cruz could be a little bit toolsier, uh, is Samuel Zavala, who we saw dominate the complex last year at 17 and also get a bump to uh, to A-ball to prove himself. I'm watching Cruz closely. I'm hoping that the Yankees give him a taste of A-ball to round out the season. Uh, but either way, man, I mean, the, the power here is easily uh, plus raw with room to grow even to even more. He's super athletic, and there's just a great frame to add more weight. Uh, the hit tool, I think, is is average. I mean, he's got a solid approach. He doesn't whiff a ton. His pitch recognition seems to be decent for a young kid. Um, and there's a little bit of speed, too, with the nine stolen bases. I mean, the ton of upside, a top 50 upside by this time of by this time next year, to be honest. Love it. Wish he wasn't on a, a Yankees complex team that is is quite scary, I must admit. But, Nick, I can hear everyone asking the question, so I have to ask it. When will, uh, give me a year, let's say, what year will Cruz, you talked about his power, what year will he break Aaron Judge's home run record and hit the seventh most home runs in a single season? Yeah, 2020, uh, 2033, 2033. 2033. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> Remember it. Everyone, everyone put a calendar reminder 10 years from now when Cruz becomes the all-time home run leader at seventh on the list for a single season. Nick called it first would be quite impressive. We got to keep moving. I have too many thoughts and we're going to move to Vinny's guy, a guy by the name of it's either Maro or Mauro, something along those lines. Baez, it's spelled M-A-R-O. Uh, Vinny, I, I, I'm shocked that this is your guy. It just, it just can't be your guy because he plays for the Braves, which is an actual competent organization. And you love your bad organization prospects. So was this a mistake? Is this actually Michael's guy? How do you end up here? No, this is my guy. And I did see, uh, now looking at this, there's two typos on here. His name is Mario Baez of the Atlanta Braves. And he's actually 16 in the Dominican Summer League. Um, earlier this year, you know, he started off the Dominican uh, Summer League really hot. Uh, caught my eye, tweeted about him early July, told everyone, hey, guys, like, watch this. Watch this kid, because what he was doing back then, he's continued to this point. And we're talking about a 16-year-old in the Dominican or Dominican Summer League right now with a 313 average, a 393 OBP, and a 422 slug. With a 402 Woba, you know, borderline 10% walks to 12% Ks is pretty... Mind-blowing for a 16-year-old. I know Dominican Summer League pitching is not the best, but for this kid literally being 16 and doing what he's doing right now, this screams breakout potential top 100 prospect going into next year. 
24 stolen bases looks to profile with plus speed and, a, a, you know, maybe a 55 hit tool. 5'9", you know, he's not the biggest of kids, but, like, I can definitely see there's projection in the body. 5'9", 175, he could potentially max out maybe 5'11", 210, 205, like something like that. Power, power is going to be wait to see with him. He is 16, so it's probably going to be a little longer wait than most would want to hope or you know hope and stick around for. But three home runs for a 16-year-old Dominican Summer League, 24 stolen bases. Like this kid, man, looking at the profile, I, I something tells me that we might be seeing him maybe inside of the uh, Braves' top 15, borderline top 10 prospect list going into the offseason. Like we're looking at a plus hit tool, you know, Average power, very smooth defensively, probably a 50-55 glove. The arm, you know, the arm's a little, it's not awesome, but it's not bad to the point where we're going to start knocking them for it, so it's probably more average. But, man, it's, it, the early signs are looking like a potential five-tool stud here if this power can grow it, like if he can grow into power. And this is a guy that you want to start stashing now because when everyone's done with this season and starts digging into the medic, the Dominican Summer League stats, this kid is going to stick out like a sore thumb, especially because of age to level, which we could be seeing him next year, you know, in the Florida Coast League, potentially in low A by, you know, next August at 17. So Mario Baez, go get him now. If you have to, maybe go trade for him. But this is looking like a potential stud on the rise. Now... Vinny mentioned he gave a, he gave you all a great reason to go follow him on Twitter at, at down on the farm eight. He meant he tweeted about this kid months ago, but Vinny, we just had sauce correctly making a prediction that's happening 10 years from now. So in comparison, your tweet months ago doesn't look great. So I want to give you an opportunity, make a, make, make a random 10 year prediction about, about Mario Baez. I won't do a 10 year prediction. I'll do a three year prediction. I'll say he's probably their number one prospect in the organization by 2025. Wow, that is, that is a hot prediction. I love it. One day, Vinny, we'll get we'll get you to the status of socks, and you'll be able to see ten years into the future. <laughs> but three year three years is more than I can do. I'm I'm like I'm working on like negative two years myself. So maybe maybe one day I can get to your level, and then maybe one day we can all get to Sauce's level. And then there's Michael, who I'm not going to make you make a crazy prediction, Michael, because I I'm still on this idea that Vinny, I'm not like he pro, he had to have switched players with you because here we have a guy from a loser organization, from the Yankees organization. He's actually John Cruz's lesser teammate. Many may disagree with me. We'll see if Michael does. Michael, it's Emmanuel Tejada of the loser Yankees. You had to pick a Yankee. You did it, Michael. Come on. Yeah, I mean, not not because of that, but just the, what he was been doing. You know, I had him lined up in this section about a month ago, but I made a last minute switch. And since the complex levels officially ended, I think this is a good time to check him out. I'm I'm sure he's gotten some level of hype on social media within prospect circles, but I don't see his name popping up on my timeline as often as some other young players with upside. His performance in the complex league at age 18 is certainly noteworthy. I mean, I'll start with the scouting grades. He's listed with a fringe average hit tool, average raw power, and average speed. At this point, it's almost become comical. Like scouts just put every young player as average across the board and then make slight tweaks from there. Obviously, it's difficult to hone in on more precise scouting grades with teenagers and rookie ball, but I'm seeing a different type player in the results. The only part I can really get on board with is the average raw power at the stage. Tahada had more strikeouts or more walks than strikeouts in the DSL. He followed it up this year, posting equal total of strikeouts and walks, and we'll get a better sense of where he stands in full season ball, but a plus hit tool is in play here, in my opinion. And I'm also encouraged by his ability to steal bases. He flashed some potential in the DSL with 11 last year, but he bumped it up to 24 this year. And outside of the big-time notable power, Todd has flashed a lot of the tools and statistical ingredients that I look for in a young riser. Good hit tool with speed who should develop decent pop. I think he signed as a shortstop like a lot of international players, but he profiles to me as more as like a second base, third base down the line, which may keep his stock somewhat capped. But from a dynasty perspective, this is one of the most productive hitters his age and level in the minors this year. 
He hit 307 with a 465 OBP, 903 OPS, 24 steals, was second among 18-year-olds with a 152 WRC+. A lot of people are hesitant with Yankees prospects, and it can be tough to know what's real and what's hype, but he's just checking a lot of boxes. I look for in young players, including scouting grades that don't appear noteworthy because it leaves open a window for doubt longer. I'd certainly stash Todd in deeper formats, and if he's able to produce anywhere near this level in full season next ball, it'll be pretty tough to overlook him. I'm impressed, Michael, that you could find anyone in the giant shadow that is John Cruz. But uh, I can't say I, I sign off on a Yankees guy, but everyone heard what you just said. Make your own decisions. He sounded pretty good. That's in Manuel Tejada of the, of the New York Yankees. Let's move on from that. I don't want to talk about the Yankees anymore, and I've seen ahead, and I don't think we have any left. Unfortunately, we don't have any Red Sox either, but that is the compromise I'm willing to make. We, of course, get to our final section, the who's next. Who is next to get the call? We already mentioned we nailed Willier Abreu sort of last week, and uh, there's rumors that we might have already nailed another one this week, but we'll get to that first. We have Sauce's guy. He's given us an Oakland Athletic taking a note out of Vinny's uh, loser franchise book. And he's going with Darrell Hernandez, a shortstop for the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, I think it's uh, Hernandez based on the AAA streams I've watched, but who knows if those are even accurate. Um, yeah, it is absolutely an, a loser organization. You said it perfectly, but that also kind of means opportunity, right? Um, and I think I think Hernandez is poised to be at least in the next two to three years, uh, Oakland's you know mainstay at shortstop. Um, he just got promoted to uh, to AAA. I think he's only 21. Um, he's super young for the level. Since his promotion to AAA, uh, super impressive stats across the board. He's only striking out about 11. percent um, His average exit velocity. I think Chris Clegg. Shout out to Chris Clegg. Uh, tweeted this out a week ago or so has been like 91 miles an hour at triple a that's really good especially for a young guy um and his hard hit rate's like 31 percent there's a lot to like here with her nays i don't think that there's a ton of fantasy flash like this is not a guy who will ever hit more than 15 to 20 home runs in a season it's probably not a guy who's ever going to steal more than 15 to 20 bases in a season uh but I just feel so strongly that this is a high probability major leaguer who who is just going to produce for you. I mean, he's going to, he's never, he's not going to kill you in any of the counting stats. I mean, maybe he will for the first couple of years because the athletics are absolutely terrible, but I don't think he's going to kill you in uh, batting average or OBP. I think he'll contribute across the board a little bit and especially in deeper formats. I mean, this could be your middle infielder for the next few years. I, I like the shout out actually, and I like going with the with the Vinny strategy because, as you said, there's opportunity in this organization. And, and Oakland's an organization we have seen this year; they are willing to give these younger guys their some of their future pieces a shot. So, so why not Hernandez? It, it is uh, it is spelled H E R N A I Z uh, for those looking it up and uh, were very who were very confused about my incorrect pronunciation. Um, that oh, and it is Daryl D or Darrell D A R E L L. Um, I, I looked actually, I looked on uh fan uh fan tracks earlier to see if he was available in my league. He wasn't, unfortunately, but um, I'm still looking for a player to spend my last uh dollar fab. But he is the only player with that first name in their system, so if you search D A R E L L, he should come up. Um, but now we got we got Vinny's guy, and Vinny loves some his breaking news. He loves his rumors. Vinny was saying before the show, this guy might already actually be getting the call. That's how tapped in he is to his Chicago Cub organization. Vinny, has it become official yet? Is Jordan Wicks a big leaguer? No, it has not become official yet. But as of an hour ago, Taylor McGregor from uh, Marquee Sports said that Manager David Ross will not confirm nor deny that Jordan Wicks will be taking Drew Smiley's spot in the rotation this week. So, if this does happen, I'll give you a little brief summary of Jordan Wicks. Jordan Wicks, 2020, I want to say 2021 first-round pick, you know, out of uh, Kansas State. Pretty much, you know, three-pitch mix, very advanced changeup, arguably 
one of the best in minor league baseball. Um, does very good at limiting hard contact. He's a he's become a very good ground ball pitcher of recent, which in Wrigley, you know, is you know sometimes good, sometimes bad. If it's windy, it might want to stay away from Jordan Wicks, but he's done a very good job of uh, proving people wrong about you know potentially being a bullpen arm. You know, being drafted, the mix of pitches, his arsenal and everything screamed relief pitcher, but he has made it his main focus since being drafted that, hey, I'm going to be a starting pitcher. I would say he's probably ceilings by an SP3, more likely by a 4-5. But he has a very unique uh, arsenal. He's fastball. Curveball, some like he's not very trusting of his curveball. I would love to see him use it a little more. So, like a four pitch mix would be fastball, curveball, slider, changeup. With a changeup being seventy, I've actually uh, uh, there's uh, one publication out there that I've seen giving him a seventy five grade changeup. Very good control, very smart too. He knows when to attack hitters. Uh, he knows when to attack. Uh, like power hitters, he knows how to attack, you know, everything. He's just very smart when he's on the mound. And he has like this swagger with him where he's like, he almost becomes like a monster on the the mound. He just tunes everything out, locked in, focused. Like this is a pretty interesting arm that's, you know, not really talked about a lot, especially in the Cubs system with the emergence of Cade Horton and Ben Brown and Jackson Ferris. Like Jordan Wicks has taken – pretty much the spot, the spotlight's been taken away from him. Like the left on base percentages up this year. He's had a ground ball rate through the minor league. Uh, his minor league career hasn't gone below 40%. His home run to fly ball rates. Very good too. Like this is a guy, you know, for the playoff run in your, in your fantasy league, I wouldn't mind picking up maybe spot starting him a couple times this week. Like he's probably, if he does come in, come up this week, he's probably starting against the pirates. I would start him against the pirates. So Jordan Wicks, I'm not saying go get him in dynasty formats and that. Just you know, if he's on the wire, the waiver wires for redraft, pick him up, stash him for, uh, for the rest of the season. He might uh he might end up being a key uh, feature for the Cubs playoff run themselves. I don't I don't know how they'll handle that just yet, but they are competing for a playoff spot and currently currently handle one. I can't help but think this would have been Ben Brown's spot had he not gotten injured. But like you said, Wicks keeps producing. He's there. If he's going to get the opportunity, he's absolutely worth a look. And uh, now we are down to our last guy of the podcast. It's some guy I uh, have never heard of. His name is, uh, I, t- I think it might be like the name Sawyer. I think Jordan Loyler. Jordan Loyler. Is that right, Michael? Who is, who is this guy? Jordan Lawler. Jordan Lawler. Okay. Well, he's, he's uh, in the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, organization. So Mike, why don't you tell us about whoever this guy is? Yeah. So anyone who follows the show at this point knows this section gives me the biggest problem. Last week I went with Sedan Raphael and instead four or five players we covered in the last month were promoted instead. And so I'm leaning into the players with a higher ceiling who might not be locks for a promotion, but have definitely have appeal heading into next season drafts at the very least. Lawler's pretty well known at this point, so I won't go super deep, but he's listed with a below average hit tool plus raw power and plus speed. It's possible I'm too lenient with hit tool grades, but this is just another example where I think scouts are way off base. Lawler got off to a slow start the season and shown a lot of swing and he's shown a bit of swing and miss in his game, but nothing that would indicate a below average hit tool to me. I've, I've had him graded for above average. So if that's the case, we're talking about another one of those high upside players at a premium position with above average to plus tools across the board. And, that's why you'll find him ranked so highly on lists. Essentially, Lawler brings that power speed we all want. And I don't think he'll have a batting average that'll hurt you. Like he's he's got legitimate five category potential in his prime. And main reason I wanted to include him in this section is because he's been it's become a real possibility. We see him in the majors this year. Over the last month, he's hitting 291, 415 OEP, four homers, eight steals. But most encouraging is his 15% walk rate and 17% K rate over that time. And besides all that, the Diamondbacks are rolling out Geraldo Perdoma at shortstop most days and He's done an admiral job, but he's predictably cooled down. I think Lawler could be like a spark plug for an offense with playoff aspirations. It's not often that a contending team has a premium prospect on the verge that just fills one of the main holes on their MLB roster. So 
it makes sense to me if they were to promote him from a dynasty perspective. I've always been a fan of Lawler dating back to his prep days. There was some concern with his early season performance, but it was never a player I considered dropping significantly in my rankings. If anything, I saw the early season struggles as a clear buy low window and players of this caliber don't always run through the minor leagues unscathed, but their talent wins out in the end more often than not. And I mentioned before, I like, I like to play the stock market game with prospects. So it's hard to pay for Lawler services at this moment since he's basically a top 10 prospect on the verge of the major leagues. But there's going to be a moment where a buy low window appears. You know, Anthony Volpe is a really good example of this. Like the price before his MLB debut is pretty like astronomical. He was getting up to the sixth round of main events, but it's cooled off to the point like people still see the upside at this point, but it's not the same level. So the shine's kind of worn off. And I like to target players when their stock's kind of down. Because when it clicks, you're looking at an early round pick. And I think that's that's kind of going to be the case here with Lawler down the road. I think this is a, another good call. Of course, the Diamondbacks are an organization that are about to get rewarded with a comp pick for the for the way they handled Corbin Carroll when they called him for a brief stint last year and then gave him this entire season to run away with rookie of the year. They might be trying to do the same thing with Jordan Jordan Lawler. Jordan Lawler, is that, that right, Michael? Okay. I'm, of course, I, I know who, who Jordan Lawler is. I'm just a little bitter that he's going to beat Marcelo Mayer to the majors by quite a bit. Uh, I had to get one last uh, Red Sox comment in there, of course. Um, but before we sign off, I want to throw it back to a sauce comma prospect one last time to see, is there anything you uh, want to plug, tell the listeners about? We mentioned your top 250 prospects earlier. Uh, where can they find that? Yeah, go check me out at Prospect Sauce. I'm always, you know, dishing out some good content over there, uh, you know, some insightful tweets. I'll be updating my rankings next month. And um, once that happens into the fall, it'll be FYPD season. It'll be analyzing the Arizona Fall League. So you can expect a lot of uh, good, awesome free rankings over at my uh, Twitter handle. You are the a man of the people, Mister Sauce. Free rankings. You have to. You have to check him out, people. You got to go fo- follow him on Prospect Sauce. I mean, it's free. What? There's nothing to lose. And as we said, he's high on Roman Anthony, so the guy's a genius. So I don't know what else to say. Go follow Prospect Sauce on Twitter. Um, and uh, of course, we also have Michael at MP Richards 1981 on Twitter and Vinny at Down on the Farm 8 on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube as well and turn on notifications so you don't miss any of our episodes moving forward. We got all sorts of awesome stuff planned for you um, to finish off the season and heading into the offseason. And of course, one last plug for our baseball coverage. We have other shows we do on the Triple Play Fantasy po- uh, Podcast feed. Um, for example, just this week, you're, if you're into prospects, I assume you are because you're listening to this show. Fellow Red Sox fan and uh, prospect extraordinaire, Eric Cross was on the baseball beat this week. So that's the type of uh, show you can find in our feed. So be sure to go and check um, out Triple Play Fantasy on whatever podcast player you use. Um, And with that, that is our show this week. We'll see you next week for week 19.